that orbited a mighty star and from it flew the first ship's crew whose children we all are. by order of the most glorious emperor of mankind Thou art granted the title and rank of rogue trader militant, and placed upon thee the charge to sail from this place forthwith, returning not except at such time the emperor himself absolves thee of thy task. Thou shalt sail, with all thy bondsmen and serfs, into the uncharted reaches, making known there the light of the imperial truth. Wheresoever thou finds the scattered children of Terra, thou shalt make peaceful contact and bring illumination. However, if thou shalt find the Xenos, the mutant, or those who reject the light to dwell in darkness, thou shalt wage the emperor's war, or, if the foe be too great, summon hence the wrath of his armies, so that the imperium of mankind be safeguarded and expanded. Excerpt from the Warrant of Trade awarded to Balthazar Roin, 806-M30. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lost Transmissions, a Battlefleet Gothic podcast set in the Age of Darkness. I am your usual host, Stephen, here with our uh, reluctant rogue trader militant, Austin. And today, as promised, we are taking a break from doing legions, and we are going to talk about uh, those other guys with spaceships. Uh, the ones that you don't often hear about, uh, the rogue traders, more specifically, uh, as they're referred to in the Great Crusade, the rogue traders militant. And with that, we're going to kick it over to Austin. Yeah, so uh, this one was a lot of fun. Uh, the basic, uh, the basis of the rules is uh, the fabric of the Imperium rules from 40K, which lets you bring rogue traders as a fleet. Uh, tweaked a little bit, obviously, for the Horus Heresy setting. Uh, because rogue traders aren't the same in 40K as they are in 30K. In 40K... Uh, they kind of have carte blanche to do whatever they want, uh, broadly speaking. You know, they can do deals with Xenos, they can travel to uncharted territory, or they just have the, the warrant to trade from, you know, this sector to that sector. Uh, and for the most part, they're hereditary titles that have been passed down for thousands of years and pretty much make you on par with, you know, Space Marine chapter masters, as far as your authority goes, uh, and your ability to just give the finger to anybody who's not the Imperial Inquisition. Yeah, in 30k, uh, it's a different story. Rogue traders have the same kind of basic mandate. You know, they go beyond the Imperium's borders, uh, but they have a different makeup. A lot of them are former warlords that kind of, you know, they bent the knee and the Imperials kind of looked at them and went, yeah, but if we leave you here, we can't really trust you. So uh, take you a spaceship, go way the hell over there and uh, tell us what's there and then come back. <laughs> or don't. Or don't. Like, that's great. If you get gloriously killed, then that's one less potential recidivist for us. Uh, their fleets weren't so much trading organizations like the rogue traders in 40k they're sort of pathfinder fleets for the expeditionary forces right so they're kind of the first ones that go into a sector take a look around uh if there's something there that you know their smaller fleets can deal with maybe they jump on it and make some money uh 
if it's something big, you know, they, they run into the Rangdan, uh, they go home. <laughs> like, they don't try for a glorious last stand. They run back to Imperial space and say, oh my God, here's a thing, murder it. And uh, the legions get called in to do all the heavy lifting. Yeah, so they're like Christopher Columbus in space, except cool. Yes, but with just as much genocidal tendency. Mm. Womp, <laughs> womp. Oh, no. Um, this time, no survivors. Oh, and you know it. They've learned lessons in the intervening 30,000 years. Have they, though? No. No, that's fair. <laughs> so, in, in designing this fleet, for those of you that were very excited to have, you know, rogue traders, and that's really cool, and I'm going to go toe-to-toe with the legions. About that. Don't blame us if you kind of can't. Um, we view 30K in general and Battlefleet Heresy specifically as a, a vector for narrative. And when we were writing up the fleet, I mean, look, listen to what I just said about what their job is. They're not there to go up against the A-team, right? They have a very specific job. Do it. Get out. If a rogue trader fleet meets a legion fleet, the legion fleet is probably going to beat the crap out of it. Unless uh, it's a really small legion fleet. Yeah. Anything close to a fair fight really isn't for the rogue trader. No. Uh, that being said, there are a lot of fun tricks a rogue trader fleet has uh, which we'll get into here in a minute. And that's where your advantage lays. Uh, they can do really weird stuff. They tend to be very, very escort heavy, but those escorts can pack a hell of a punch. And if you're not paying attention, you know, super maneuverable escorts, this is a maneuver game. They'll just be where they shouldn't and murder you where you can't shoot them back. Yep. It's all fun in games until there's four or five, you know, swords behind your cruiser. Yeah, and I do like that um, because historically, the sh- the ships with the best crews tended to be escort squadrons, right? They tended to be the guys, the small ships that were out on patrol constantly, not the big battleships and carriers that kind of just farted around, fought two battles in the whole war, right? So I feel like the rogue trader's ability to kind of turn those small ships into an unexpected advantage really plays into that as well. So, getting into the actual rules. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to start with... Uh, do forms Esoteric and Strange. Forms Esoteric and Strange. So this yeah. is the key to what makes rogue traders unique in Battlefleet Heresy. Um, one of the things we know rogue traders did is when they brought a human civilization into compliance, uh, the Imperium as a whole, you know, the Mechanicum, everybody kind of runs over and sticks their hands into every ship that civilization has. And when they were good enough or interesting enough, rogue traders sometimes were able to requisition them. They would either just say, hey, I've you know, I brought this planet into compliance. Uh, I blew its fleet to hell. And those three escorts that surrendered, uh, they're mine now. They're coming with me. We're recruiting them or even keep the same crew. And away we go. Or even, you know, an expeditionary fleet comes in, knocks out a civilization, uh, goes to whatever emperor or maybe son of emperor, you know, emperor is dead and goes, hey, uh, we're not going to kill you. 
but you can't stay here. <laughs> uh, so take what's left of your fleet, and congratulations, you're a rogue trader now. Get the work done. So to represent that, we have the special rule, Forms, Esoteric, and Strange. And what this does is all of your escorts uh, can roll on a special chart and get some sort of upgrade. Uh, and your capital ships as well. But for the most part, this is kind of aimed at escorts because you're going to have so many of them in your fleet. So for 30 points for a capital ship or five points for each escort, you roll on a D6 table. And for an extra five points, you can pick instead of uh, rolling randomly. And there are some good stuff in here, right? So the first one is long-range sensors. Just a simple plus one to your leadership. And since these ships are rolling off of kind of the standard Imperial Navy leadership of like six to nine, this bumps you up more into that Space Marine range. It's good to go. Uh, but then you get some real fun ones. Esoteric targeting matrix. The vessel counts all targets as closing when using the gunnery table within 30 centimeters and ignores right shift modifiers for shooting greater than 30 centimeters. Much more accurate. Yeah, that's a big deal. Especially <laughs> on escorts when the majority of weapons that do the work is weapons batteries. Yeah. Um, especially because for the most part, you know, once you're fighting a ship, once you know, the battle lines have been drawn, the enemy ship is trying to get broadsides, right? So they're going to be a beam when you're shooting at them. And a beam is the hardest thing to hit, right? But suddenly all of those ships that are a beam suddenly count as closing, and it's a bad time. Uh, and if you have some of the more interesting capital ships with kind of the, the long-range weapons batteries, this isn't a bad one either, because even if you're outside of 30, you're not taking that bad shift, right? So it makes those long-range guns a little more uh, deadly and viable. Yep, that's any of your chaos cruisers, the murder, the sticks, the devastation. Station. No, Devastation's a 30. Um, Desolator battleship uh, makes them, and or your battle cruisers, the Mars or the Eclipse. Yep, yep. Uh, then there's one that I super love on escorts. It's advanced shielding. The Everybody's vessel a thunderbolt now. <laughs> yeah. The vessel increases its number of shields by one. Uh, that's just real rude on escorts. I'm not going to lie. It's hilarious. Uh, and a squadron of 10 escorts, that's 10 shields. Or, uh, no, sorry, five escorts, that's 10 shields. 20 shields yeah. if it's 10 escorts. Although, I don't think you can get up to 10, so it doesn't really no. matter. But two squadrons. But two squadrons, yeah. That's a <laughs> lot of shields to get through. And unlike yeah. whole points, they come back. Yep. Uh, anything that gets you extra shields in my book is going to be a good investment. Mm -hmm. um, even for the capital ships, like 30 points for an extra shield? Okay. Mm. <clears throat> You a Grand Cruiser now. Yep. And your Grand Cruiser is just plain rude. Yeah. I'm a battleship now. Yay! <laughs> just like I always wanted to be. Just like Mommy said I could. Yep. Uh, so then we have Point Defense Grid. Uh, you increase the strength of turrets by one. This is a beautiful thing to have for escorts because, you know, you start bunching them together and suddenly they're firing six or seven turrets at something trying to get them and are essentially immune to say, those assault boats that are always terrible for an mm -hmm. escort to be attacked by. Uh, then there's advanced drive technology, plus five centimeters to, to your basic speed, uh, and an extra D6 for all-ahead full special orders, always fun. Uh, 
And a really interesting one, gravitic thrusters. So the vessel can double the maximum rate of its normal turn. So escorts can do a 180 degree turn. Hell, a dauntless can do 180 degree turns. Yep. So can the heretic, the Solaria, just those light cruisers are, are just whipping it. Yeah. Words can't really like, this is one of those that you, you read it and you're like, Oh, that sounds good. It's real good. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and this isn't any of the rules that we came up with either. This is the, um, this is the stuff that was just in fabric of the Imperium. Yeah. I'm not trying to, to screw over anybody in power armor with these. This is what the book said. Uh, we just tweaked them a little bit for some 30 K love, but the base rule is the same. Now, and, on the note of the Xeno systems, though, um, only certain ships in the fleet can take them, uh, or rather, only certain escorts. Yes, so the it's any rogue militant capital ship, uh, rogue trader cargo vessel, requisitioned escort, or escort carrier. And the idea is, for the capital ship, uh, they're just yanking whatever stuff that was interesting and sticking it on, uh, or, you know... Hell, maybe they did a deal with a weird Mechanicus guy. Who knows? Uh, Some pre-Dark Age technology, you know, massive flagship. But for the rest, they're supposed to represent sort of the fighting ship of the line of a non-compliant human civilization or compliant or Xeno civilization. Uh, Because remember, one of the things the Imperium has going for it is that it's so damn big. Uh... And most civilizations, shockingly, can't put mile-long spaceships into orbit. You know, they, they just can't. So things that we think of as escorts for Imperial ships generally tend to be kind of the fighting ship of an alien race. Uh, if you don't believe me, just remember that an Imperial Star Destroyer from Star Wars is roughly the same size as a sword-class escort. Yep. And that's equ- that equates to one whole point. Yeah, one whole point. Uh, so these are fun. And you can mix and match, right? You're not rolling once on this chart for your whole fleet. Um, basically, you can roll once for the squadron of escorts, or if the escorts are different types, so say you've got some requisitioned escorts and an escort carrier, you can roll separately for each of those types of ship to represent, you know, hey, they picked up the carrier from Civilization A and the requisition escorts, you know, came with the rogue trader when he started out. You know, and we really want you to go wild. Uh, in the book, I provide a couple of examples of like fluffy reasons why ships have uh, joined your rogue trader fleet. You know, get into it. 30K is yeah. about the fluff, man. That's true. Hey, you know who else they were friends with? Hmm. Other than the Mechanicum, the White Scars. Yeah, they were, boy. Uh, So for those of you that haven't read book eight, book eight is White Scars. Mm, White Scars and Demons. Yeah, Malevolence. Uh, There's some really cool, uh, if a little tucked away, Rogue Trader fluff in there uh, because it's talking about the White Scars and their pioneer companies. So before and even after uh, the con... The White Scars were the Pathfinder Legion, right? Which you'd expect if you know anything about White Scars. Uh, And their companies would join rogue trader fleets as those fleets went out in uh, 
to the void to look for trouble. So we've represented this in our rules with the ability to take White Scar ships in your Rogue Trader fleet. So for every full 1,500 points in your fleet, you can include either two White Scars light cruisers, a squadron of up to six White Scars escorts, or a squadron of three White Scars escorts and one White Scars light cruiser. And they count as part of your fleet for absolutely everything. Uh, of course, they can't take the system upgrades we talked about just a minute ago. Uh, and not only do they count as your ships in your fleet, but they also benefit from the White Scar Legion rules. This is really fun. Um, we've talked about, well, we mentioned it briefly in the book, Ally Systems and things like that. That's going to be in our next production. Um, but generally speaking, if you do add ships from another you know, Legion or Rogue Traders into your Legion fleet or whatever... Um, that's kind of a separate fleet and it does its own thing and it can't use like fleet commander rerolls and a whole host of other problems. But for rogue traders and white scars, you know, they're bros because the white scars companies would serve for centuries in the same rogue trader fleet. Uh, it's kind of fascinating, like white scars in general. And I know I'm kind of getting on a tangent here a little bit, but white scars in general, especially before the con, didn't really have a Legion identity like Space Wolves or Ultramarines or Word Bearers had. They identified very heavily with their companies, and you can see in Malevolence, like the Legion chapter icons and all of them were wildly different for each of these. Yeah, they and actually had camouflage uh, color schemes. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. They they had no standardization across the Legion whatsoever. Uh, and it's because of situations like this, which is mm -hmm. fun. Yep. Space is wide. And good friends are too few. Uh, so, uh, the other special rule that rogue traders have is eclectic. So, despite the long years away from friendly ports and the strange changes worked upon their fleets for that fact, rogue trader ships are still, for the most part... Uh, from Imperial Shipyards, and follow many conventional designs at first glance. Uh, so, Rogue Traders Militants, in addition to their specific ships, which we'll get into in a bit, uh, can select any cruiser, light cruiser, or escort available to Horus Heresy fleet lists, uh, with the exception of a Battle Barge, Strike Cruiser, Nova Hunter, or Gladius. Uh, Unless you bring the White Scar allies that we talked about before. So you can be real fancy and take your standard ships, but, eh, maybe not. Because the other stuff is real fun. Mm-hmm. So then we get into fleet composition. And I know this is weird. Right? It's a little, uh, it's a little it's a, atypical. It's a little atypical. So, I'm trying desperately to find the right page now. Uh, page 64. We're on page 64 of... Uh, Self-contained. Yeah, that's where we're going. Yep. Uh, so, for every 500 points in your fleet, you need to have a heavy transport, super heavy transport, star galleon, or two rogue trader cargo vessels. And if you're in a campaign, 
you can bring any of the transport vessels for free to substitute out if you're doing like a convoy mission. Convoy, planetary like assault, yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next thing you need to be worried about is your fleet can contain one ship exceeding eight hull points for every 2,000 points, uh, not including super heavy transports. So that's, and it's any ship with more than eight hull points from the regular Horus Heresy fleet list that can go a minimum of 20 centimeters. It's not a battle barge because battle barge are specially built for space Marines and nobody's going to let a rogue trader have one. <laughs> and you're not one. You are not no. a space Marine. Yes. And then lastly, for every two hull points of capital ship in your fleet, you must have at least one escort. Uh, super heavy transports, star galleons, heavy transports, and Arminger class light cruisers don't count for this requirement. So, a fleet that has a murder class cruiser, which is eight hull points, and a dauntless class cruiser, six hull points, must have at least seven escorts. If it had a murder class cruiser and an Arminger class light cruiser, it would only need four escorts. So, I know what you're thinking, and it's what the hell are these random-ass restrictions for? There's a reason. There's, There's a, a reason. reason. There's a method to the madness. We're getting there. It's beautiful. So rogue trader fleets are self-contained, right? They've got to be able to operate for years, decades, far beyond any known port, any repair facilities, anything that the Imperium has. So you need lots of supply ships, uh, And just because of the way they operate, because they're popping in the whole fleet into an unknown sector of space, and then from that unknown sector of space, exploring a bunch of random planets, uh, their transports are also in harm's way a lot more often uh, than the supply lines that are backing the expeditionary fleets, right? Uh, So that's why all of the previous rules were included. It's to encourage you... Uh, to bring transports so you can have your fleet supply. Uh, And then it's escort heavy because when you're doing exploring a new system, right, it's a hell of a lot quicker and safer really to, instead of taking your big ass battleship and plunking it down in 10 systems, one after another, making a big old energy signature to come look at me. We're doing crazy things out here. Instead, you take 10 Cobras and send one to each system. It pops in, it sees what's going on, it leaves, right? Or a squadron of escorts and, you know, their supply tender. Pop into a system, see what's going on, come back and report. Uh, And of course, doing this means they get jumped by a whole bunch of Xenos things. uh, And no doubt, as the heresy started, Uh, They were doing the same sorts of scouting missions for loyalist and traitor alike and, you know, bouncing off against patrols from Legion fleets or other rogue traitors that aren't allied to them. Uh, A whole bunch of madness. But anyway, uh, that's why we did it. It's easier to replace an escort than it is to replace a cruiser. It is. If something bad happens. Yes, it is. And uh, the Arminger class light cruiser gets a pass. Uh, Because famously, it is a scouting cruiser, right? So we felt that there would probably be a higher preponderance of them uh, in a rogue trader fleet than otherwise. And, uh, like, they're ever so slightly undergunned, 
compared to some of the other light cruisers. So I feel like they don't get a lot of play in the normal Legion lists. Uh, but because you don't have to pay an escort tax for them, they're exciting to bring along. Yeah. For rogue traders. It's fun. Yeah. And then there's one other fun fact about rogue traders. Uh, actually, somebody asked us this the other day. Well, I guess a while ago now. Time is Every an illusion. Day is the other day. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't time matter. is an illusion. Uh, you'll note that there's no requirements in here for how many cruisers do you need before you can take a battle cruiser and how many of those do you need before you can take a battleship that's because there isn't one and the reason is very simple if i am a rogue trader i'm amassing my fleet pretty much based off my personal panache right like how impressive am i am i a big old hero am i a scumbag being sent off to die just kind of out of sight we don't know. Uh, but if I am a big enough hero to take, you know, the three cruisers that is traditionally required before a normal fleet could bring a battleship, I could swing for those three cruisers or instead use that pull to get one battleship. And the ability, like the pull a rogue trader would need to do both of those things, you know, is probably more than twice as hard, right? Because not only do you need to be good enough to pull three cruisers, you need to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, you know my uh, my scout fleet that already has these three cruisers? What I really could use is a battleship to go with them. That'd be great. <laughs> Pretty please, please. Can I? Can I? Can I probably have it? Probably not. Can I have happen. it? <laughs> but this does some really cool things, right? Uh, because if you've got a big, you know, ballsy rogue trader who decides you know i just want the most ostentatious thing i can get and they roll my jewels on the hull yeah right coat that thing in gold and give me a battleship uh and they have been known to coat coat things in gold from time to time it's the Um, safest place to put your treasure right as long as there's no as long as there's no lances to boil it off yes well we've all got problems (laughs) yeah uh But it makes for a really fun fleet because it's, you know, the only fleet that can give you a battleship that's going to be fast because you're required to take one that goes at least 20 centimeters. Uh, And then just a swarm of escorts. And that just makes it play so much differently from a regular fleet where, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've decided to bring that battleship, at least half of your points have gone into that battleship and the cruisers you needed to take it. Right, because a normal battleship is what about three hundred points, and okay. then it's at least three hundred points to bring you know three light cruisers to barely hit those minimum requirements, and suddenly you know better than six hundred points is gone of your what thousand fifteen hundred point fleet, maybe two k if you're playing a big game. Yeah. Uh, but this, you can have that just big old central killing machine. And then swarms of aggressive gnats around it. And that just seems like fun. Yeah. And the rogue traders themselves um, are kind of interesting figures within the fleet. Uh, Every fleet in Battlefleet Gothic Original and Battlefleet Heresy, um, you have to have some sort of fleet admiral. Uh, Now for the legions, or rather the expeditionary fleets, that takes the form of an Astartes fleet master... Uh, or the, um, the the Armada Imperialis officers uh, from Mechanicum, it's a couple of Magi, so on and so forth. 
Well, you can generally only buy one. But with Rogue Traders, you can buy several. Um, every So you have to buy the one already. You have to have the actual, the man himself, the Rogue mm-hmm. Trader Militant. Mm-hmm. And he's 50 points. He's leadership nine, and he has a single reroll. But for every ship that has eight or more hull points in your fleet, you can buy another Rogue Trader Militant for 50 points. Still leadership nine, still with the single reroll. And you're thinking, okay, well, so what? That's just, I'm buying a basically leadership nine on a reroll for 50 points. Zero out of 10, not worth. Except. First, I disagree with you on that, but go well, on. Yeah. Uh, in addition to the Dark Age slash Xeno systems that they can roll on, they can also buy a further set of upgrades for additional points. Uh, they can buy an armored prowl for 30. They can buy a power ram for 25. They can add one more hull point to their ship for 10. Um, if they just really, really, really hate people being behind them, they can buy <laughs> a weapons battery that mounts on the aft for five points. They can buy an additional Dark Age slash Xenos system roll for 20, or they can buy augmented crew for 10. And uh, augmented crew adds plus one to your... Uh, hit and run attacks and subtracts one from enemy hit and run attacks. Basically, you know, all the arms men on your, uh, on your ship are just these big gene bulked macho augrens. men. Yeah. Augrens or phalax or what have you. Yep. I will say that aft weapons battery is actually kind of nasty. It's strength six, 30 centimeter. So, you know, if that enemy escort squadron somehow manages to stick themselves on your butt at close range, mm-hmm. you can hurt them back. Yeah. And you know, uh, Chances are they're closing, so you're not losing a lot of shots. So it's good times. It's good times. Um, but the rogue traders have access to another upgrade. It's called Remnants of Empire. Uh, like Austin said, a lot of the rogue traders that are out and about during the Crusade and in the Heresy used to be uh, planetary rulers, would-be emperors, etc., etc., Um, Oftentimes, a rogue trader militant is a former enemy of the emperor. Warlords and merchants and malcontents malcontents of great renown that were given the choice of execution or service. These men and women carry their legacies to the stars where they are quote-unquote free to continue their reign as long as they do so in the name of the emperor. A rogue trader militant may purchase a remnant of empire for 60 points. Only one rogue trader militant in a fleet may have this upgrade at one time. This upgrade grants the Rogue Trader Militant special abilities and a further armory of upgrades to choose from. Regardless of the subtype that a Rogue Trader selects, it still retains the rank of Rogue Trader Militant, and all relevant rules and available upgrades still apply, except where explicitly stated otherwise. So we actually had a couple of questions about this. If you upgrade your Rogue Trader with a Remnant of Empire, does he still get a role on the Dark Age or Xenos systems, or does he still get access to the regular Rogue Trader upgrades? The answer is yes. Uh, but there's three kinds of rogue trader uh, remnants of empires. The first is the Reaver. Warlords, pirate queens, and exiled despots, the Reaver is a soul who has channeled their fury and their wrath into their ships, forging them into a mighty war vessel capable of challenging many contemporaries and leaving them as spinning space debris. Their left is an iron fist, their right is a bloody hand. 
So a benefit to the Reaver is that it can take a Battleship 12 or Cruiser 10 type vessel as their flagship without needing a fleet of 2,000 points or more in value. So like Austin said, uh, if you were feeling ballsy, you know, you could take that battleship and a whole swarm of escorts, but you need at least 2,000 points to do it. Not if you're a rogue trader reaver. Uh, if you're just feeling super rude, you can have a retribution within your 15-point list or fleet and have it tended to by all of the little escorts and all of the little transports that it could ever want. Uh, the Rogue Trader Reavers, as they all do, all of the all of the remnants of Empire upgrades have a little special rule that goes with them. And the Reavers is called Bloody Handed. If a friendly ship fails a command check, the Rogue Trader will fire upon it with half of its available firepower in the next shooting phase. Duly chastised, the victim vessel increases its leadership by one for the rest of the game. If the offending vessel is outside of the rogue trader's flagship firing arc or weapons range, then nothing happens. If the offending vessel is the rogue trader's, then it counts as being crippled for the turn as the tyrant's men crack heads. If the offending vessel has an Astarte's crew, nothing happens. Even fratricidal madness has its limits, after all. Uh, so some of you might recognize this as Abaddon the Despoilers, you have failed me for the last time rule. Uh, which I always thought was fun, just that, you know, some uh, some wayward chaos lord fucks up on his ship, and Abaddon's just like, alright, fine, fuck you, bro, and shoots him. Yep, uh, and I can absolutely see a rogue trader doing it, because when you're, you know, five years from the nearest friendly port, and somebody drops the ball, well, that's your ass on the line, too. That's right. Gotta make sure that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so rogue trader Reaver may uh, add to their ship in addition to all the other upgrades. Uh, it can replace its prow weapon with a Nova Cannon. It can add a Strength 2 Range 60 Dorsal Lance Battery. It can add D3 hull points. It can add a Strength 8 30 centimeter Port or Starboard Bombardment Cannon. Uh, if it has launch bays, it can launch attack craft, or rather assault boats, I should say, for free. And it can add... Uh, Strength 6 torpedoes to the prow, if it doesn't already have them. Uh, that may not be taken with a Nova Cannon. Yep, and as a note, if uh, you have a Nova Cannon on it, you can't join Mechanicum fleets because you've probably acquired that in ways that would make the Mechanicum very angry with you. A little upset, yes. So if you've want, ever wanted just a souped-up battleship, this is the way to do it. If you've looked at the Retribution and thought, well, it is nice... But I wish it had five lance batteries, or I wish it had 15 hull points. There you go. Um, uh, it's also the only way to get Nova cannons on Grand Cruisers. <laughs> right? <laughs> but speaking of people uh, that can't join Mechanicum fleets... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the second one, Rogue Trader Tech Baron. Former leaders of technocracies, mechanical enclaves, and enterprising salvagers, the tech barons are abhorred by the Mechanicum, who see them as little more than heretical thieves hiding behind their warrants. But the esoteric machines aboard their ships make them excellent survivors in the dark between the stars, and they are adept at repurposing wreckage and junk to keep their fleets going. A tech baron may, as their flagship, build an experimental ship, pursuant to all relevant rules and restrictions, but may not select a battleship hull. And if you have a tech baron, you may not be taken as an ally, or you may not take as allies a Mechanicum fleet. 
because they don't get along very well. The Mechanicum has very... No, they, they don't like you, bro. Yeah, has very strict rules about what you should and should not do with technology. And tech barons are uh, more or less, everything's okay if it keeps you alive. Yeah, tech barons aren't praying to their toasters, and that makes the Mechanicum very angry. Yes. Um, this is also... To, oh, go ahead. No, I was about to say, this is also the one place where we really encourage experimental shipbuilding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've taken the rules. They're in the book. Do with them as you feel fit. Um, but it's always kind of with opponent's permission, you know, be light, tread lightly with it. Uh, this would be the exception to that, at least, you know, with your opponent's permission. Um, obviously don't be a dick because it can happen and you can build something that's incredibly OP. Don't be that guy. Um, but this is sort of the one time we're like, oh yeah, I got a rogue trader tech baron. Of course he's got this weird ass ship you've never heard of before because it's yep. a perfect metal sphere that shoots lasers. <laughs> it's a light cruiser with six shields. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask questions. I don't know. He's not telling you where he got it. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, well, that's sure is weird looking. Man, it's um, shaped like a crescent. I don't I understand. Don't, oh no. <laughs> Why is it so fast? Uh, Mechanicum. No, not Mechanicum. Tech barons are also one of the one of my favorite uh, rogue traders for use in campaigns. Uh, at the end of the battle, if the tech baron's side holds the field, then all hulks are worth twice as much renown. Which, bear in mind, this also is cumulative with other factors such as Gloriana's. Uh, and additionally, for each hulk claimed, the fleet gains an additional uh, point to use for repairs, which is good. Because those escorts die quick, and their cost adds up quick. Uh, So Salvage Kings makes it a little easier to replace them uh, without having to, you know, dip into the resources you would otherwise use for your cruisers. Yeah, that, like, I can't stress how much, like, how good it is that each Hulk gives you an additional resource point. I'm kind of bloody-minded in most campaign games, uh, unless I really want the renown and I rarely do enough to stop me. Uh, I'm blowing up your hulks because it's funny to watch them hurt you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) However, for a rogue trader tech baron, you don't actually want that ship you've just killed in the middle of the enemy formation to explode and hurt the rest of the formation uh, because resource points are so hard to come by in campaign, you know, especially early on when you have like, oh, five resource points hooray although it is worth sacrificing one hulk to make three more that's true that's true and that's the thing like spend hulks to get hulks if you're playing a 1500 point game and do your work right you can get as many resource points just from the field uh as you would from like a civilized planet which is impressive it's really good yeah so not super um what's the word not a not super mechanical in terms of the game itself, but very useful for the the, the resource management meta, yeah. the deep strategy. Yeah, the deep strategy. That's right. Uh, the tech barons upgrades are, as you might imagine, a little heretical. Uh, they also can replace a prow weapon with a nova cannon. They can buy a mimic engine, uh, which Dark Eldar players will tell you uh, gives your ship an extra move at the start of the game or rather before the game starts, and uh, it cannot be fired upon until it fires first or gets within 30 centimeters of an enemy. Yep, so looks like a sneaky. buddy. 
<laughs> Oops. Uh, it can also buy one shield. It can add up to three defense turrets for five points each. And these are fleet defense turrets, no less. So they can also fire four other ships uh, to keep each other safe. They can add a strength four, 45 centimeter lance battery on the port and the starboard side. They can buy yet another Xenotech roll, or they can dip into the forbidden box and uh, get a gifts of the Mechanicum roll. And some of that stuff is just, there's no downside to any of it. Yeah, it's wildly good. And this would Mm -hmm. probably be, uh, you know, that Forge World that uh, didn't quite come quietly back into the fold. You know, this guy gets sent away and he brings his fun tricks with him. Yep. Uh, And then if you really want to get heretical, you can get rid of all of your shields and replace it with an Eldar hollow field. Which is so dumb. Which is <laughs> just plain silly. Yes, for for those of you that have ever played against uh, the Eldar, you'll know that that's real rude. I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, you know, a battleship's shields for a hollow field. Uh, but would I trade two shields off a cruiser for it? Absolutely, every day. In a in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I'd pay 50 points to do that. And yeah, with a rogue trader escort or with a rogue trader tech, uh, tech baron, you can do it for a grand total of 90. Yep. And get a whole bunch of other fun stuff. Yay. Uh, the third one is the rogue trader magistrate. In the cold reaches of space, the warrant is law. And the magistrate's interpretation of that warrant is all. Some are charismatic, some are underhanded, but the magistrate is capable of bringing almost anyone over to their side. Powerful communication equipment ensures that their wishes are conveyed to all, even to the enemy. So this is your uh, this is your real charismatic uh, rogue trader. He's he's the face of the fleet. He's really good at getting what he wants, one way or another. Nocad the blighted. Mm-hmm. Oof. An Aquinar sec. An Aquinar sec. Yeah. Oh mm. man. His voice oh, drowns no. out all others. No, that's not for another ten thousand years. Well, maybe closer to like 9,800, uh, 9,700, 9,400. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> this episode of Lost Transmissions on the Remembrancers Retreat is made possible by our wonderful patrons, starting with our Praetor tier, Alex Self, Chris Mack, Nicholas Quenga, Mr. Baldwick, Jacob Dillon, Matthew Boyce, Garner.Tree of Woe, Josh Phillips, and Joe from Music City Heresy. Our Centurion tier... Queen Corswain, M. Tanzer, Minis by Applesauce, Scott LeMay, Andrew N., Black Label Painting, Angry Boy, John Christensen, and Mark Henry. And finally, our sergeant here, Nicholas Gillen, Aaron Maynard, Garrett Lowe, Travis Smith, Duncan, and Emily O'Hare. Again, thank you all very much. Um, so the Rogue Trader Magistrate, his, uh, his little benefit might not seem like a whole bunch at much. Uh, at first, but when you start looking at the actual stats of the ships involved, it's pretty cool. They can include hunters, novas, and gladii escorts in their fleet, the space marine escorts. They come with their space marine crew, they come with their guns, they come with their super fast speed, bonkers defense turrets. Yeah, they're amazing. Nice. Although, yeah. They they aren't a legion fleet, right? We we decided to keep their space marine leadership and rules to kind of represent the fact that 
you know, most Space Marine ships are still crewed by humans for the most part, mm -hmm. uh, but the best of the best. And uh, presumably, you know, they're designed for boarding actions, even more so than a normal ship. Uh, and your rogue trader magistrate with his silver tongue can probably you know, talk a few cohorts of solar auxilia maybe to sa to hang out or, yeah. you know, yeah. more roided out ogrins or whatever. So we didn't feel can it was necessary. roided out ogrins. Yeah. We didn't really feel it was necessary to amend the space marine rules for them, especially yeah. because that rule is built into their just core points cost. Um, but they don't get any legion rules or legion traits. These aren't space marines on board. Yeah, you oh. can paint them however you want, but there yeah. are not blood angels on that bridge. Yep. Although I guess conceivably, if you're starting late enough, there might be a couple of black shields, but no. Mm. No special rules. Yep. Uh, the Rogue Trader Magistrate has a... His rule is funny, uh, but also terrifying. Uh, it's called Countermand Orders. Once per game, at any time, the Magistrate may make a leadership test if it's passed, they may negate the current order of a single ship within 60 centimeters and replace it with one of his own choosing. The target may make a leadership test to resist the new order, but their current one is regard is negated nonetheless. Which, if you've ever played Titanicus and used the sabotage stratagem on so somebody, rude. then uh, you will understand the joy of countermand order. Say somebody is locked onto you, and you don't want them to be, so you give them all a head full. And not only are their weapons at half, but they might have just boosted at a firing arc. And not only that, like this isn't really, well, this isn't entirely a save your bacon thing, right? It's not making the enemy brace when they should be trying to sh lock onto you. Mm -hmm. That all a head full? Remember, it, like, you could send them off the board, <laughs> Into an asteroid field, into a warp into a rift. Warp rift. <laughs> uh, no. Or if they're pointed the complete wrong way, you could make them lock on. Oh, good. Nothing's in range. Nothing's in arc. And you're stuck nope. going that same direction. Good luck, Enjoy. buddy. Yep. Or again, plow them straight into an asteroid field. Really, we're all about plowing people into asteroid fields with That's this. That's right. It's exciting. We, we here at Lost Transmissions... Uh, we promise five dollars to any man who plows headlong into an asteroid field. But it, uh, Stephen promises five dollars, which is really two fifty from each of us. No, 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 no. <laughs> Stephen promises five dollars. You want my five bucks? You get them lost in a warp rift and never come back. There I demand excellence. Good, you can make ten dollars. You could fly <laughs> through an asteroid field and into a warp rift and get lost to the warp. We have, we have fun. We do. We do. Um, but yeah, say someone is braced and you don't want them to be anymore. You know, maybe you, you really, you're, you just desperately wanted that kill, or maybe it's the kill that you desperately need to, to save your bacon, but they're braced and there's a lot of damage incoming and they're probably just going to save it all. You know, maybe they're pesky iron hands. Huh, like the last and, time uh, Steven and I played. Uh, that stupid dauntless. She taunts me. <laughs> She had one whole point left and I think took five points of damage, saving all, all of it, something saved like that. Saved them all. Yep. Mm. Rogue mm. Trader Magistrate don't have that problem. Yep. He's just like, hey, you, quit oh, you're it. On, you're on come to a new heading now. Die. Yep. Mm. 
so a magistrate's um, upgrades are also a little more supporty in nature. Not really there for survivability, not really there for killing, mostly there for support. Uh, the first thing is that a magistrate, if he's real smooth, can get Blood Angels not on the bridge of those escorts that he brought along, but on the bridge of his cruiser. They combine a Stardace crew, which uh, gives them the plus one to hit and run, gives them the plus one to boarding. No, not boarding. Never mind. That's only if they're a strike cruiser or a battle barge. Uh, gives them access to the higher leadership. It's good times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good times. They can buy one extra command reroll. So if you're keeping track, they have two. They can buy an auxiliary bridge, which protects them from the first bridge smashed result. They can buy an extra turret. They can add a strength two 45 centimeter dorsal lance battery or a strength six 45 centimeter dorsal weapons battery. And they can get anti-boarding spines for 30 points, which is exactly what it sounds like. If you have anti-boarding spines, your ship cannot be boarded. It can be hit by hit-and-run attacks, but it cannot be subjected to a boarding action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really wish they'd describe in detail what exactly anti-boarding spines are. Like, um, they're just a large, pointy thing that you yeah, ram your Thunderhawks onto? I, that's literally, they're huge. Uh, they're described in book, in Conquest, book four. Ah, excellent. Um, they're the... Uh, the Kurga, that ram battleship that mm-hmm. snaps off the, the spire off of Point Mall, has, they're described as kilometer-long adamantium spikes all along the hull. That's wild. Yeah, so you just, presumably anything that's rushing in, boarding parties, uh, big assault boats, just crash into them and die. Have awesome. fun. Yep. Uh, there is one thing we should, I don't think we mentioned, uh, in talking about the rerolls that your rogue traders are getting, right? And you might have thought, oh, this is great. I can get, you know, my magistrate and he has two rerolls and then another couple of uh, rogue traders and they each have a reroll. And my God, that's four rerolls in this fleet. That's that's really good. Um, yes, but also no. Uh, rogue traders with their reroll can only be used on their ship. Or in any escort squadron in the fleet. So essentially, it because every other capital ship essentially is going to have some sort of rogue trader equivalent on it, right? Going to be some hotshot who, like, yeah, you're in charge of him technically, but if you yell at him over the Vox to do his damn job, he's probably going to be more upset and bitchy about it than do his damn job, right? Uh so having all these extra leadership, all these extra rerolls is great, but they can only be spread out among your escorts uh, or used for yourself, which is another reason to, you know, maybe go a little heavy on the escorts instead of getting a shit ton of capital ships in here. I mean, there are some people who would argue that mathematically a whole bunch of escorts is better than cruisers. So, I mean, those people that uh, would argue that mathematically, this is the fleet for you. That's right. If you like numbers... And you don't like Mechanicum. <laughs> Here it is. You can stick your rogue trader on a Armager-class light cruiser and bring a billion escorts. That's right. Enjoy. We, we're here for you. It's true. We are. Yeah. But speaking of those escorts, um, there's a couple of different kinds, aren't there? Yeah. So we're going to 
go in, and I realize this is going to be kind of a longer episode than normal, but we're having fun with it, so we're doing it. It's true. Uh, there are a handful of different ships that are rogue trader specific. Uh, the first of which is what we call a requisitioned escort. Uh, they're 30 points base, uh, and they cover a variety of ships and are usually the vanquished remnants of now compliant human civilization uh, or reconditioned imperial escorts no longer considered capable of frontline combat. Uh, but either way, they're usually modified by a rogue trader militant to provide fast and surprisingly effective escorts. So you pay 30 points, and then you choose either the alpha or beta pattern. The alpha pattern uh, has 25 centimeters speed, 90 degree turn, a shield, five up armor, one turret, uh, a firepower two, 30 centimeter weapons battery that is left front right, and a single torpedo out the front. Uh, the beta pattern is 30 centimeters and only four up armor, uh, and has a 30 centimeter firepower three weapons battery left front right so yeah. kind of backwards from how you're used to it uh, especially if you're an imperial player that's used to his torpedo escorts being fast and eggshells and his weapons battery escorts being a little harder to hit um and you might think man i don't want to put a somebody with four up armor into harm's way like I'd have to for a weapons battery escort. But remember, for another five points, you might give that sucker an extra shield. and uh, Another five centimeters of speed. Yeah. So they're fun, they're interesting, and they're a little bit of everything, right? These are supposed to be kind of the crazy standard stuff running around rogue traders. And again, they're not as good as just a basic, you know, a basic Cobra or uh, what's the other Iconoclast? Is that the other uh, Iconoclast? Yeah. has torpedoes. Yeah. Or Iconoclast is better than an alpha pattern, but that's not the point, right? I mean, obviously this alpha pattern might be a Cobra, right? It got battle damaged. It only has one working torpedo silo. Oh, uh, well F it. We've, got all of this you know iron that we've taken from somewhere uh, put 40 feet of iron around the whole thing that'll make it a little bit better armored and off we go into the black this is what we're talking about uh, but if you want a fun and exciting escort that is better than everybody else's you need only go to the next page with the unconventional escort uh, whether relics of the dark age of technology, imperial escorts upgraded with Archaeotech, or highly effective non-STC frigates from a compliant world's former defense fleet, unconventional escorts are much prized by rogue traders militant. Though the expeditionary fleet shunned them due to lack of standardization, rogue traders are much less picky. Any ship is hard to maintain in the dark beyond the Imperium's borders, and the added firepower of an unconventional escort squadron can spell the difference between victory and defeat. Uh, so, an unconventional escort may select an upgrade from the Dark Age Xeno system table that's built into the points cost. And then, of course, you can pay points to do it again. So these can be real crazy. Uh, the downside is you can only have one squadron of unconventional escorts for every 750 points because these are much rarer than, you know, your beat-up sword that you can just kind of get into the fleet. 
but they real good. So they're 25 centimeter speed, uh, one shield, five up armor, two turrets. They have a 45 centimeter strength two weapons battery, left, front, right. And then a prow lance, 30 centimeters, just firepower one out the front. But again, you get to pick your first upgrade. So maybe you want all of those, you know, you want those weapons batteries to always count as closing. Or uh, you want them all to have two shields. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Or hey, maybe you want speaking both. Of, <laughs> speaking of shields, uh, these unconventional escorts are expensive as far as escorts go. Uh, they are, they're tied with the Thunderbolt for most expensive escort. 50 points each, you know, to just take four of them is 200. That's more than an Imperial cruiser. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you get a free Xeno system table, which they choose... And then you can roll again, which you can pay another five points to choose. Yeah. So for 60 points, you pick two Dark Age Xeno uh-huh. system upgrades. And there's never been a rule for Fabric of the Imperium that says that you can't double up on the same upgrade. There is not. So say you want a 60-point escort with three shields. <laughs> Go for it. <clears throat> it's real rude. Uh, and you might think, holy shit. Why are they so much better than, like, main frontline Imperial, like, ships? That's insane. Three shields on an escort. Yes, and that's the point. A bunch of times in the Horus Heresy books, you know, the the Black Library ones, the Black books, even the sidebars of the Red books, the Imperium runs into things and civilizations that have stuff that's better than theirs, right? The Invisibles, from uh, 6319, right? Oh, yeah. They, they don't have... Can Those you hear that? just straight-up murder space marines. Yeah, they just straight-up murder space marines. <laughs> and they're invisible. Hold on one second. But yeah, you gotta... Sometimes the Imperium runs and stuff that's just like, wow, how did you guys hold on to this? This is better than our stuff. And then they are, of course, promptly destroyed. Yep, because it doesn't matter how good you are, you can't fight... a. Th- million planets if you are but one and of course the imperium has a real bad habit of finding technology that's much much better than theirs having no idea how it works and never being able to duplicate it just tossing it in the trash (laughs) yeah this is garbage or like you know it becomes the archaeotech pistol for some captain uh and that works for you know individual weapons for individual marines and men but for spaceships you really need things to work and if they break and you're in an expeditionary fleet and you're relying on these guys, you look at them and go, yeah, it's really cool. You guys have three shields, but uh, the maintenance is a bitch. And instead of you, I could have three swords. So I'm going to do that. Yep. Right. Rogue traders, though, it's a hassle already. It's worth the extra effort to try and upkeep these guys and go uh, ruin some days. Mm-hmm. Or keep days from being ruined with three shields. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. Uh, so speaking of things the uh, Imperial Navy doesn't want, despite them <laughs> occasionally being real good, we come to my favorite ship in Battlefleet Gothic. It's the Ugh. escort carrier. Um, and I probably love them because of uh, Laffy 3 from, what is it, Leyte, Leyte Gulf? There's going to be a World War II That's nerd out there. Person. That, annoy, that is going to know the answer to this. But essentially, it was like a bunch of destroyers and an escort carrier of some sort. Uh, and the Imperial Japanese Navy 
with all of its fancy battleships and like the heavy hitting port part of the fleet uh, came around the islands thinking, aha, now we will flank and destroy the American carriers. They don't know we're here. And these like three destroyers and an escort carrier saw them and went, well, if we don't stop them, everybody's going to die. So uh, let's go out like heroes because shit, we can't run away anyway. And proceeded to fight so incredibly hard that the Imperial Japanese Navy thought there were like two carriers, a couple of battleships, a cruiser squadron, just like insanity against them instead of this little dinky fleet. Uh, <laughs> and that's widely considered to be why the Americans won that battle. Uh, Google Laffy 3, and that'll tell you all about it. Uh, but anyway, the escort carriers of the grim dark future... Uh, are generally ignored by the expeditionary fleets. They don't have a huge attack craft complement. They have bad armor. They're not good for major fleet actions. Uh, but rogue trader militants love these pocket carriers uh, because they're a way to provide attack craft cover for far-flung convoys. They're great uh, as a show of force against minor space installations or even raiders ca capable of capturing poorly defended freighters. So, no more than 25% of your fleet's total amount of escorts, not including transports, maybe escort carriers. All right, this is not a game that we wanted to devolve into, you know, attack craft spam. We don't like Tau. No, Tau or the devil. Uh, they have a couple of special rules. The first one is cramped conditions. So escort carriers come out of a variety of types, from converted freighters to non-STC pattern designs laid down by pre-compliant civilizations. They are universally somewhat unsuited for the rigorous demands of Imperial Starfighter launch recovery and maintenance, though that doesn't stop many captains from cramming as many attack craft as they can on the decks. Escort carriers suffer a minus one to leadership when reloading ordnance. That sucks, not gonna lie. Uh, but for no charge, an escort carrier can ignore this penalty but replace its port starboard launch bays uh, with a single launch bay with a strength of one to represent the decreased capacity sufficient space for normal operations provides. So generally, well, the basic stats for a escort carrier is it goes 15 centimeters, it has a 45 degree turn, uh, one shield, four up armor, two turrets. This is not a thing you want the enemy to be in shooting range of. It'll die real quick. Uh, it has a dorsal weapons battery, left, front, right, 15 centimeters, firepower 2. It's really only there, you know, to make you feel better. Uh, but it has a port and starboard launch bay of 1 each. Uh, so, you know, that's a good amount of attack craft that it can pop out for just being an itty-bitty escort. Uh, and you can either, you know, keep that and launch two, uh, two attack craft a turn, fighters and bombers, uh, and maybe, you know, use your Xenos table refit to get yourself an extra point of leadership. Or maybe instead uh, you say, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice it. It'll be able to launch one fighter a turn. That fighter is all the cap that I need. Uh, I'll bring, you know, maybe three of these guys. They'll provide my cap. And to keep up with the fleet, I'll give them advanced drive technology so they'll be a little faster and not fall behind. Or, you know, extra shields. There's a whole bunch of different fun things you can do with them, but I really like them because while that doesn't sound horrific on the face of it, what you can do is shove three or four of them together and suddenly, you know, you've got four of these little suckers 
throwing out an Emperor-class battleship's amount of attack craft a turn. And they're escorts, so even though they've got that four-up armor, they're kind of hard, hard to hit. hit. Like, you're not going to have yeah. a lot of dice to throw at them. Yeah. So, yeah. Which, is, which is good, because, again, four-up armor. Yeah, you don't need a lot of dice to throw at them. Uh, but these are fun to, like, go lurking behind dust clouds or asteroid fields and just swarm mm. people with attack craft. You throw enough of them together, and you've got, like you said, uh, a emperor's worth of attack craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've got another special rule, and that's multi-purpose. So rogue traders militants engaged in ground campaigns are f- as frequently as void fights. For air superiority planet side... Uh, they sometimes utilized escort carriers equipped with Thunderbolt strike fighters. Uh, so if you're using the H-33 or Warprift 33 ordnance rules, your escort carriers may be equipped entirely with Thunderbolt squadrons for five points. Uh, due to the comparatively small size of Thunderbolts compared to true starfighters, if you take this upgrade, you may ignore the cramped conditions special rule. So Thunderbolts, uh, they go 25 centimeters and are fighter bombers. I've actually got them right. So they're kind of a lovely midpoint between uh, just a true fighter and a bomber. They're not as good at bombing because they don't have the large payloads uh, required because they're you know supposed to be blowing up tanks or a bunker, not a five-mile-long spaceship. But they get the job done. With enough of them, yeah. With enough yeah. of them, it's the same thing. And so, you know... You start doing that, and suddenly you've got a bunch of fighter bombers. Uh, you don't have the minus one leadership to reload ordnance, and you can be you're little, almost like a real carrier. Yeah, you're like a real carrier. Jesus, you can take two of them, and that's uh, what 130 points for two of them with thunderbolts, and that's four attack craft a turn. Yeah, can't decent. argue with that. No. Yeah. So that's all the fun fighting ships. Uh, that a rogue trader fleet can bring on its own. Well, but there is one more fighting ship, but we'll see. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of a fighting ship. Uh, it's better than the transports. That's true. Uh, but yeah, all the transports that can bring into a rogue trader fleet. Because they don't bring the tubby, slow, unwieldy transports that uh, you know and love from planetary assault and convoy missions. No. They have rogue trader cargo vessels. They're 20 points. Uh, and they're that basic transport sexy younger cousin. Uh, they have 25 centimeter speed, which is already blazingly fast. Uh, still just a 45 degree turn, one shield, five up armor, two turrets, and a single 30 centimeter weapons battery. Um, but... You know, if you're taking these in a convoy mission, suddenly they're going real fast, and that's real good. So, uh, these vessels have more in common with warships than traditional freighters. They give up a good amount of their cargo capacity for the weapons and drives. Uh, They move 46 when on all-ahead full orders, are worth one assault point in planetary assault scenarios, and count as half a transport, rounding down in scenarios that require transports. And instead of taking a refit normally, for no extra cost, this vessel can be converted to a fast clipper. Uh, You remove its primary battery armament, and let's face it, it was only firepower one to begin with. Uh, And they automatically gain the advanced drive technology uh, Dark Age Xeno system result. 
So they're 30 centimeters going 5D6 on all ahead full, and uh, you can laugh at anybody that tries to stop your convoy. Just zip right past them. Yep. So they're a lot of fun. And then there's the heavy transports. Uh, These are 50 points each. So Rogue Traders Militant frequently made use of larger transports to carry fleet supplies, foils from conquests, or trade goods to help ease negotiations. So these, on the base of it, are the same heavy transports um, that you can bring to normal games instead of regular transports, right? 15 centimeter speed, two shields, five up armor, two turrets, 15 centimeter weapons batteries, port starboard and prow uh not doing a lot but six hull points and they're a cruiser so you know a little more stick around it Uh, however heavy transports have little in common with actual warships Uh, they only go 3d6 on all ahead full are worth two transports one if crippled during convoy scenarios and four assault points two if crippled in planetary assault scenarios so that's your basic heavy transport but there are some fun things you can take Uh, that are real good, especially in campaign missions. So, the first one is Fuel Tanker. For no extra cost or change in profile, a heavy transport can be a fuel tanker. So, in addition to the basic stats and the rule we already talked about, uh, fuel tankers suffer critical damage on a 5-up instead of the normal 6, and if reduced to 0 hole points, it rolls 3d6 on the catastrophic results table and adds all 3 dice together. It's a mile-long spaceship filled with Prometheum. <laughs> Don't get it shot. However, every fuel tanker that survives a game uh, without disengaging, or, you know, disengaging not including, you know, convoy missions where you get them through, uh, earns plus one renown for the controlling player, even if crippled, because it is impressive to take a mile-long explosion in the making into a battlefield and have it come out the other side. Hell, you almost do it just to prove you can. I've absolutely taken a fuel tanker just to prove I can. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's a statement. It's a statement ship. Uh, And for those of you lucky enough to have the Forge World heavy transports, uh, half of them are fuel tankers. It's good fun. Uh, So the other one you can get is a repair tender. Uh, For 50 points, a heavy transport can be upgraded to a repair tender, and a repair tender grants plus one renown or plus two repair points at the end of every battle it participates in, even if crippled. So (laughs) combine this, you know, in a campaign setting with a tech baron, and suddenly you're getting... Two repair points, because your repair tender hasn't exploded. And then you're getting repair points for each Hulk on the field. And suddenly, like, you're making money getting into fights, right? It's great. (laughs) However... Just as the Emperor intended. Yup. However, repair tenders are a priority target for enemy fleets, right? They know that the best way to stop the enemy is to make sure they can't fix the problems that they have. So the enemy gains plus one renown for crippling and plus two renown from destroying uh, your repair tenders. So it's a bit of a gamble. And, you know, you're paying 50 points for it. But 100 in total. Yeah, 100 in total. 
But man, sometimes, you know, you play a game, you add up the renown and you're one short of getting that extra appeal or whatever, or, you know, Hey, damn, I could fully fix this cruiser if I had two more repair points or, you know, whatever. It's an extra 50 points, a hundred points total, but it's fun and it'll help you out in the long run. Yep. And a note on that tech Baron too, he gives you the renown and the repair points, uh, even for your own ships, they get crippled. So remember that. Yep. He doesn't care where the gubbins come from so long as the gubbins come. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we've gone over the cargo vessel. We've gone over the heavy transport. Uh, There's two more ships that uh, rogue traders have unique access to. Uh, The first one for a whopping 100 points is the super heavy transport. Yeah, a super heavy transport. These things are behemoths, right? They're usually found uh, in very safe star lanes. You know, they're the guys that take all the raw materials and bring them to Forge Worlds. You know, if you've got an entire planet, you know, agri-world worth of rice that you need to get to a hive world, hire a super heavy transport. It'll take it. These things are supposed to rival Gloriana's in size. Like, they're damn near the biggest things humans ever made. Well, Imperial humans ever made. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And their whole point is just to be real big and take a bunch of shit. Uh, Some rogue traders prefer them to smaller transports as a way to keep supplies centralized and maintain control over the fleet, right? So while some rogue traders say, hey, you know, this is my fuel tender. This is my, you know, little transport that'll go off with this squadron and provide that squadron with all its supplies. This other transport goes with that squadron. They just go, no, 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 no. I don't trust any of you bastards to not just run off if you're out of my sight uh, with the supplies to do whatever you want. Super heavy transport. That's all we got. And uh, come to me if you need anything. Right. Come to me. Talk about it talk about it let's we'll sit down we'll have a nice grok steak open up some antique amasac yeah what Uh, is amasac is it supposed to be cognac or is it just nondescript liquor i've always just considered it kind of a nondescript brown liquor you know Mm. any of the whiskeys bourbon kind of thing but certainly it's not the stuff it's not the stuff Ugh. rip yep now we're sad May, damn it poor Bragg he didn't deserve it he nope. didn't deserve it nope. uh, the other thing that rogue traders like super heavy transports for apart from just the control is that they're just so fucking big that uh, pirates don't tend to mess with them right it's kind of the Spanish galleon effect if you have something big enough a little pirate skiff goes, you know, that that pirate in his beat-up cobra looks at it and goes, ah, can't do that. no way we can do that. Because, yep. you know, my, my hundred pirates just can't capture that six or eight mile long spaceship, which is exciting. hundred pirates, that's the bridge crew. <laughs> it's true. Um... However, despite being massive, they really aren't well-armed for their size, size, right? Just like the heavy transports, like these are technically cruisers and capital ships, 
but they're not warships. They're not meant to be fought in uh, or shot at. They don't have the million redundant systems that a real warship has. So they've got some problems. Uh, just like the heavy transports, super heavy transports only go D3 on all ahead full. Uh, they count as three transports and two if crippled for convoy scenarios. They're worth four assault points, two if crippled in planetary assault scenarios. And the enemy gets plus one renown for crippling and two renown for destroying a super heavy transport. Because if you've got one of these in your fleet, that's basically all your supplies. And well, it's a known it's fact a world that, worth. Yeah, it's a known fact that getting all your supplies blown up is detrimental. As for yeah, stats, it's provable, it's provable with math. It is. Uh, as for stats, they're essentially grand cruisers. You know, they got that 10 hole points, 15 centimeter speed, 45 degree turn, two shields, five up armor, and three turrets. Uh, they have port and starboard weapon batteries of three at 15 centimeters and a prow 15 centimeter firepower two weapons battery that goes left, front, right. So even though... They're almost twice the hull points of a heavy transport. They have the exact same weapons. Yeah. Uh, if you're feeling froggy, you can replace that prow weapons battery for a lance. You can. Uh, just a strength one lance, 15 centimeters, firepower one. So, you know, it's not for killing anybody, really. Uh, but it is only five points. Uh, and, you know, if you want to tack on that little bit, if that one escort comes up on you, you can use that three weapons battery, you know, throw that one die to knock the shield and then kill it with the lance. Theoretically. <laughs> In theory, yeah. <laughs> That's how the math should work. Remains to be seen if it will. Yeah. Uh, but these are real fun because it gives you a chance to, you know, really stretch your modeling legs, right? Because the heavy transport and the road trader cargo vessels, like there are models for those. They're great. Uh, the super heavy transport, like, what are you going to do? Maybe take one of those precious, precious battleship models that you've got and uh, do some hacking and slashing. It'll hurt your soul, but it'll look really cool. Or, you know, use some other giant model. I, I saw some guy had a uh, scale model of the, the new Battlestar Galactica. One of those. Mm, the Battlestar. Yeah. And I don't know what scale it was in. Because it was obviously, you know, not the same scale as Battlefleet Gothic because a Battlestar is like 900 feet long or something dumb. And uh, it was like a six inch long model, but it was perfect for a super heavy transport because it just kind of has that lumbering gait to it. Uh, yeah. Yep. But if you, uh, you want to use the, the Star Wars transports from Armada, those also have that kind of big, heavy warehouse in the sky look to it oh yeah yeah the, the rebel transports mm -hmm. mm. just those beetle backed ones with all the boxes underneath yep don't use the ones from armada though uh because they're gonna be real small for super heavy transports they are however about the right size for uh, regular transports so you know if you play both games you can get a little dual use out of them yep uh the other thing about super heavy transports is that they should be on a large base right they're the size of a Gloriana. They give off a big energy signature because they're not supposed to be in combat. And, you know, if you're a transport in safe space lanes, it's better to be seen than not. You know, don't want anybody running too close to you on accident. Uh, not when you're carrying all that Prometheum. 
Yeah, certainly not. My God, we've we've got six billion colonists that we've taken from this hive world and they're about to dump somewhere. Um, so yeah, that's a super heavy transport. And then the last thing we've got to talk about is the Star Galleon. It's 120 points. Ooh, ah. And this is probably the most fun addition uh, to the Rogue Trader fleet. Uh, it's the the addition I like the most anyway, because a Star Galleon is just like an iconic ship of the Great Crusade. Uh, at the start of the Great Crusade, dozens of these vessels were built in the Jovian shipyards to act as command vessels for the Pioneer fleets and Rogue Trader expeditions, which worked as pathfinders for the expeditionary fleets. Capable of extended solitary operations, thanks to their cavernous holds, and able to defend themselves against all but the best armed pirates, Star Galleons, yeah, Star Galleons were a common sight in the early Great Crusade. As the Crusade wore on and construction of fully-fledged warships took priority, Star Galleons began to become rarer. Still, many a rogue trader captain prefers the Star Galleon for its excellent sensors and balance of firepower and cargo capacity. Uh, most Star Galleons would not survive the heresy as they were undergunned for fleet actions and their powerful sensors also ma often made them a priority target for enemy fleets. Uh, so, their standard Cruiser 8, uh, they have 20 centimeter speed, 45 degree turn, two shields, five up armor, two turrets and port and starboard 30-centimeter weapons batteries with a firepower of six. Uh, you can give them up to two dorsal lances, 30-centimeter uh, range, for 10 points apiece. However, if you give them lances, it reduces the firepower of the port and starboard weapons batteries by one for each point of lance strength, right? So if you give it a dorsal lance, port and starboard weapons batteries drop to five, two dorsal lances, they drop to four. And then their special rule is unparalleled sensorium. In scenarios where your opponent has pings or hidden divisions of ships, you may choose to look at the contents of any marker division at the start of each of your turns. Additionally, any ship attempting to disengage within 60 centimeters of a star galleon suffers an additional minus one. Uh, if a star galleon suffers a bridge smash critical result, this rule no longer applies. All that tech just gone. <laughs> Boy, that sure is useful, though, especially in um, convoy scenarios, you know, which a rogue trader should be playing a lot of them because they're fluffy and they're fun. Yep, or a meeting engagement as well. Uh, Steven and I, actually our, our last game of Battlefleet Gothic, uh, we played a meeting engagement. and like Escalating can, engagement. Or, I'm sorry, I mean, escalating engagement, yeah. not meeting engagement, my bad. If it's an escalating engagement... Uh, you start off, like, you have to divide your fleet into a certain number of divisions. One division starts on the table, and everybody else is arriving at random points on the board edge. And uh, there's a lot of gambling that goes on there. <laughs> like, you know, because you'll, you put down a, a marker on the edge of the board, and then... You know, it doesn't automatically, like the ships don't automatically come on, right? So those markers can stay on the board for a turn or two. So your opponent puts down a marker, and then you have a marker. You can put it down right next to the enemies, which is great if that ship is better than what the enemy is going to bring on. Uh, the downside is you could bring on a ship with that marker, and then your enemy ships multiple appear 
and you've essentially just killed whatever poor cruiser uh, you've decided was going to try that gambit. But if you have a star galleon, you don't have to worry, because you can look and say to yourself, aha, that's the division my enemy put his three cruisers in. Not going to touch that. Or, hey, that's the division that just has the enemy carrier. Man, wouldn't it be great to just throw my retribution right next to it? (laughs) Just jump right on it and blow it up. Yep. Yep. Escalating engagement is, is probably one of my favorite Battlefleet Gothic scenarios. Um, we've kind of run out of time for this episode, but we will talk about it again. Indeed we shall. Uh, so yeah, oh, Which, uh, I forgot to mention that Star Galleons, as far as convoy scenarios go, they count, right? They're uh, only worth one transport in convoy scenarios because, you know, they're doing stuff. Uh, however, they are worth four assault points or two if they're crippled in planetary assault scenarios because they're warships. They're doing good work. Uh, and presumably, you know, whatever ground troops your rogue trader has, they're probably on a star galleon. Yep. Getting ready to go out there and be impressive for all of one battle. Oh, poor mortals. Yep. It's in a star day's world. Mortals just live in it. I I want to disagree with you, but here I am, not yeah. not able to make a cogent argument about it. It's just the way it is. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's really everything we've got for rogue traders, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no, I think we hit on everything. Uh, they're real fun. If uh, you've built a rogue trader fleet, please let us know. You know. Post, post it on uh, Battlefleet Heresy or really all over the interwebs because people yeah. should see and Shout appreciate and appreciate fine space shipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, hit hit up uh, one of the Remembrances Retreat guys or Stephen and I and be like, hey man, I'm thinking about making a rogue trader fleet. What, what do you think about this ship as a model or this ship as a unit or this fleet list? We're always interested. Mm-hmm. And we're very supportive, too. It's true. I have yet to poo-poo anyone's idea uh, who's not Steven or Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jared. Ugh. Imperial fists are just bad. Yeah, they should feel bad. They should feel bad. And on that note... <laughs> yep, that's all we've got time for this time. Uh, join us next episode, next week. We will get into some more legions. We'll go back to legions. For a little while, at least. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Savage 12th, the World Eaters. Led It'll by everybody's fun. favorite Primarch, Lotara. Angron. That's what Angron I said. Is, Angron is... I mean, Lotara is certainly in charge. Yes. That was the joke. You ruined it. <laughs> I'm here uh, for you, Stephen. Uh, yeah, anyway, we're going to talk about the world leaders. It'll be fun. We're going to try and convince Jesse to put one of our favorite songs as the intro. So stay tuned. Until that time, remember, space is wide and good friends are too few. Once good hunting. There was a ship of stone, clear domed, broad hold and clean, where the air shone blue through whose holds birds flew, whose decks we're growing green and no matter how odd the
as shards of dream. They are not a dream that you dream alone. All ships, all men are of one kin. We shall not forget the ship of stone. Thanks for listening to another podcast from the Remembrancers Retreat. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can also find our swag store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash RR30K podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at RR30K podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Remembrancers underscore retreat. You can also visit our website, rr30k.com, for podcast updates and the Battlefleet Heresy Compendium. You can also leave us a voicemail for us to play on a future podcast at 1929-437-3791. That's 1929-HERESY1. And you can also leave us an email at the Retreat at gmail.com. Thanks again. <laughs>